This is another iRaw podcast. My favourite thing of Ophelia is her whole body. <gasps> That's nice. Why? Because it's soft. That includes you, Ophelia. And you? Why are you spitting at me? <laughs> I just want to say something. Hold on. What about you? I love Ophelia and why I love her is because... She eats well, and I love dogs. You guys are just the best kids ever. You guys are the best kids ever. My name is Katya, and this is The Animal That Changed You. I believe loving an animal is one of the most accessible, most available portals for self-healing in the whole world. And I want to be here for you if you're in the middle of experiencing that right now or if it's already happened to you or if you might someday embark on that journey. It's my privilege to encourage you to open your heart to animals and challenge you to deepen your compassion just a little bit more. Welcome to The Animal That Changed You. You guys, hi. Hi and um... Well, welcome to the first solo episode of The Animal That Changed You. Yep, just uh, just me here. I know I usually have guests, and I love my guests, but I don't know. i kind of been thinking about how I talk a lot about Ophelia, and there's all these other wonderful souls that I've known and loved, and I want to share them with you. And so I thought it might be fun to just chat with you a little bit and tell you about some of the greatest hits of the fosters that we've had in our home. What do I mean by greatest hits? Well, I can get really sappy really easy, easily. I'm really good at that. Like, I can cry right now if you want me to. Does anybody want me to? And I definitely love big. I'm going to tell you about some of our greatest hits fosters who were straight up either nuts or jerks, or punks, and I am, we loved them anyways, and I loved them anyways. I want you to know me, and I want to be here for you with your dogs, and I want to be here with you for your animals. So, solo episodes to come, am I going to talk about animals other than dogs? You bet your bippy. <laughs> Hashtag you bet your bippy. And let's start with Dorothy. Do you know that a 12-pound one-eyed Shih Tzu can eat a hole through a door? Yeah, she can. Dorothy was this adorable little scruff muffin that we picked up from the Baldwin Park Animal Shelter. And by we, I mean me. My husband was at work and didn't know Dorothy was in existence or going to come to our home. But both things happened. And that night we had a dinner party out and we set up a lovely bathroom situation for Dorothy I remember there being not only food and water but like not only dog bed but like fresh blankets warm towels I mean like I took it far you know shih tzus have that vibe of like you know they do modeling on the side so like I felt like oh my god I gotta make it really nice in here like kind of four seasons it up we were gone for about an hour and a half yeah I am fast forwarding the part where my husband came home and there was another dog Anyways, we went to this party. It was fine. It was a great time. Lovely. I had wine. Came home. Dorothy wasn't out, but I could hear her louder than her barks, louder than I did um, 
you know, bef- when I left and the bathroom door was closed. And the only reason we put her in there is because I didn't put her in a crate. And um, I didn't know she was potty trained. She'd been with us like a literal, you know, five hours. Also, we had Ophelia, of course, the one and only, and Phoebe, our shepherd mix, who was very, very unkind to other dogs. So for Dorothy's own protection, I was like, you're going, you're going away. Anyways, back to come home. I hear, we hear louder barking than usual. And I'm like, why is that? And as we walk towards the guest bathroom, there's a hole in the door where, I mean, I see Dorothy as clear as day, just as if she had made a giant peephole. It was not big enough for her head to go through, but definitely for her now, her snout, her nose to stick in. Eric was, was not thrilled. He didn't feel great about it. I will mention that uh, uh, Dorothy got adopted, of course, like three days after being in our house. Like she just, was just so precious. Even though I did specify that, you know, for being middle, she was sort of middle-aged, maybe five or six. She had a very strong jaw strength. And I will mention that about a week or two later, we happened to take in this beautiful, sleek black dog from the streets of Taiwan. And this is true, guys. Her name was Echo, um, actually. And she was being rescued. And I was the schmuck who drove to LAX to pick up a dog that I'd never met before or even seen pictures of. Because dogs in Taiwan, apparently, if they're stray dogs, there's not a big adoptive community. This is the word on the street. I'm not sure what's true. Who am I to decide what's what and and make judgments? All I'm here to do is be for the dogs, be for the animals, go pick them up from LAX. So anyways, a few weeks after Dorothy came and went and we lived with a hole in our bathroom door, Echo from Taiwan swooped up from the streets, rehabbed by an amazing rescue there, and then a partner rescue in Los Angeles took her in, so she was flown in. This dog shows up in baggage claim. I have like a sign. This is the first Taiwan dog I did. I'm holding a sign, like, a, like an idiot. Who's going to read the sign? Um, pick up the crate. It's heavy. Uh, take a look inside, and Echo has four pups. Four delicious puppies. So that day, I think too soon after Dorothy is what I'm getting at. Eric came home from work. Um, I was lucky enough to be working at home at this time because puppies shit a lot. When he came home, there was Echo, who was just too skittish and too kind for her own good. Just, just Just a sweet little, I don't know, 30 pound muffin. And then these squishy egg rolls, four puppies. When he came home, shaking his head in utter confusion, shock, and despair, I made the mistake of putting mom and puppies in our guest room just for a minute to sort of like talk to my husband and like work things out. They, they took down a curtain. This, this family took down a curtain. Just, it was like a... It was like a prison break attempt. All this to say, you guys, when you adopt a dog and that dog comes into your home or you take in a new foster, I always tell people like you immediately want to teach the, your, your new dog or this new, you know, love bug. You want to teach them how you live. You, you don't want to like stay home for 
the whole weekend for three days and never leave their side because then Monday comes and you go to work or you take the kids to school or whatever you do and the dog's going to be like, wait a minute, I thought you were always here. So you definitely want to like live and calmly flow right into your routine. Like there's great time, there's separate, there's time apart, it's chill, you know what it's going to look like. This is life here. However, what you don't want to do is take in a love bug and then panic you know, decide I'm going to put this dog in X room and see what happens. That's not a good idea. No, especially not day one. Another greatest hit story that I have to tell you about. These all involve my poor dear husband. Okay, there's this wonderful woman in Los Angeles. She's a dog walker and she has a great dog walking company um, and she could handle Phoebe, my crazy ass shepherd. Actually, my crazy ass shepherd loved her. Anyways, her name is Jennifer. Jennifer is more than like a dog walker and pet sitter with this very successful company. Jennifer also rescues animals. And she called me one day because there were two terriers, less than 10 pounds each, maybe, you know, a good six or seven, just little, little ragamuffins. And they were basically in like a, what's the word? It, um, a monte is what I'm thinking of. A monte is like, um, like um, how do you say that in English, guys? Monte is like a, like a field, like an unkept field, like a wild grassy field. Okay. She saw them and she was like, stop there. And she was like, hey, are you by any chance? It was near my house. Any chance you're home, you can help. Uh, cut to, I go help. We catch these two boo-boos. She's like, can you take them in for a week or two? Like, we need a foster. I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, of course. I take them in. They're just absolute sweetness personified, just like slinking around my neck, kind, sweet, tender. At a class, I was taking a class at that time, a writing class uh, with Bruce Gelfand, by the way. He's a wonderful writing teacher, you guys, and he's in Los Angeles. And he does them virtual online now, so you don't have to be in Los Angeles. What a what a beautiful space he creates. Shout out to Bruce. If you want to take a writing class, hit me up, DM me, and I will connect you. Wow, that was a turn. Okay, back to the terrier. So I knew a little bit better and waited for my husband to come home before going to class. <laughs> and these terriers despised him. Never. Never has there been a being, not only one, but two, whose distaste for someone combines into other, utter, utter hatred like these dogs had for my poor Eric. And I was like, it's going to get better. Just like be calm. Ignore the barking. If they come up to you, maybe positively reinforce with a tree. Just like, you know, stay out of their way. Let them, let them gradually give you a chance and the whole night he uh, while I was at classes they're like three hour writing classes he would send me videos of these two terriers and be like it's going great and it was just like videos of them (laughs) across the room from him going I mean just unable to focus on anything other than how much they despised him And I mean, he sent a good five or six videos. So it did not get better. They just really had it out for him. They just, he, I don't know, in a past life did something. He reminded them of someone. 
I came to find out they didn't feel like this about all men. Definitely about Eric. <laughs> My husband is really tolerant, and I love him a lot. Those terriers didn't end up staying with us for two weeks because there was this incredible woman who was about 85 years old who always had terriers in her house, and she lived um, in our neighborhood. And anyways, make a long story short, like five days later, her terrier had passed away, her oldest, and she adopted these two babies, and they got to stay together. The end. How y'all doing? I mean, I want nothing more than for you to share your foster or dog greatest hits with me. I can just, like, I just want to, like, pull up a blanket and, and listen to that. I'm drinking coffee right now. I'm going to pause and take a sip. Is that weird? I'm doing this on a microphone. Mm-hmm. I'm here to say it wasn't weird <clears throat> and it was worth it it was really good I could tell you about Shiloh she's a greatest hit Shiloh's an interesting story because she was just the most absolute perfect looking beagle you've ever seen in your whole life she was one years old she was at I want to say Downey, Downey or Lancaster which are county shelters in los angeles they're big and they have a lot of intake and they're you know the volunteers and the staff work so hard but it's it's not a not a great place to end up and i remember this rescue i was fostering for tales of the city they're 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 great they had heard that she was on the euthanasia list the dramatic story was that they pulled her from the euthanasia room because they found a transport to bring her to me one-year-old the most beautiful beagle. I mean, like, Megan Fox as a beagle. You know what I'm talking about? Like, wow. All I'm going to tell you about Shiloh is that she smelled like like a fresh, you know, ba- basket of strawberries. And she was, as Eric called her, hot. She was just like the hottest dog you've ever seen. I don't know if anything was wrong with her. I don't know if anything was right with her. I don't know anything about her because Shiloh was with us for an entire two days. There were, like... 20 applications on Shiloh. And I think I just like posted her on social media. Shiloh got adopted. And the only reason I'm bringing Shiloh up is because she was hot. And that was Eric's word for her. She's hot. Also because she gave this wonderful gift to the rescue of being beautiful. And people applied to adopt her. And after we picked the family that took her in, who was the perfect fit for her, and I drove her down and did a home check and all that, we were able to talk to all those families about other dogs we had and other dogs at the Los Angeles Animal Shelters and save more lives and make more matches. So it was like, I don't know, she just kind of came in and like gave this awesome gift. It always stayed with me because, you know, I have an eating disorder background. Um, I'm a person in recovery and I have all these like false ideas about looks and beauty and what they mean what those ideas mean or what it means to be beautiful and Shiloh sort of confirmed (laughs) all of my deepest fears she did a lot of good I don't know I still think about her and I don't know if it was that she was just the cutest thing or that she had this very dramatic story or it was that she was so young it was it was just the right combination of people wanting to bring her into their home she did end up being a just terrific dog, really easygoing. I just want to say that there's many of them 
out there in shelters, many, many dogs, many Shilohs. And there's also opposites of Shilohs, which I'm going to tell you about next. And they're all worthy, and they're all fun, and they're all beautiful. So uh, Shiloh on the other spectrum, the anti-Shiloh, I will call her Jilly Bean. Jilly Bean. Love you forever, Jilly Bean. Nine years old, cattle dog, Australian shepherd mix. So you already know where we're going, right? I fostered her with my family, my daughters, my husband, my dogs, <laughs> and me during the pandemic for a purposeful rescue, one of my very favorite rescues ever. Jilly Bean was so funny. And by funny, I mean had no idea that she was funny because she was kind of cuckoo bananas. I want to make a disclaimer at the start of this story and say that Jilly Bean didn't stay cuckoo bananas. Jilly Bean is a greatest hit because of where she started and where she ended up. I don't know, man. Like, Aussie Shepherd, cattle dog, that kind of working dog, herding dog, mind... You know, living in a shelter for a month and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in somebody's house and there's kids running around. That just doesn't sound like a good recipe for like a balanced brain. You know what I'm saying? And she wasn't. Oh, God, she was so afraid of her shadow, loved to dart out of the back door and chase a squirrel in the yard like she was going to get it. Like, I'm going to get that squirrel. Never got it. I keep turning around because Ophelia is on the couch and she's squiggling around and I don't like it when she squirms like that because she can't fall off the couch, you know. Through Jellybean, I learned protocol. That is what a purposeful rescue kind of broke down for me. Even though, you know, dog training, education, lots of time spent with animals, I didn't really ever really know like the full extent of like, I hadn't practice the full extent of protocol a dog like jelly bean needed two weeks to just absolutely like detox from the heartache of the world and by that i mean lots of quiet time and no free love at all this is hard for someone like me this is i'm here to people please <laughs> smush Feed all my natural tendencies. I had to check having Jelly Bean in my home because she was so nervous. I had those wild eyes, you know, like just couldn't understand what was happening in her life. Like, what was this event? We had like a super come to Jesus, me and Jelly Bean, where I had to kind of like scale back on being Katya. It was really, really powerful experience. And I think that will forever make her a greatest hit. Also, she was like doing the um, Australian Shepherd cattle doggy thing and hurting my kids around a lot. And by hurting, I mean trying to eat their hair and like snapping at their hair. She was really into their hair. They don't, they do have beautiful hair, you guys. My, my girls have beautiful hair. So I get it, Jilly. I had to do it to like keep my kids safe. And we just followed protocol. That means really really strict routine very structured absolutely no free love there were times in the day 15 minute to half an hour increments like maybe twice a day that I could pet her and interact with her in that way otherwise it was a lot of ignoring just ignoring like let her let her 
decompress. Let her chill out. Let her allow all that cortisol, that stress hormone that she had been building up at the shelter and and taking in the world, whatever came before. Let all that dissipate so that she can be herself and have a chance to gain feedback and start a new life. We did that. So lots of lots of crate, lots of stimulating toys like lick mats. God, you guys, do you have lick mats? I love a lick mat. I love a lick mat. It's just like this silicone mat and it has different levels of like you can get more challenging ones and you can smear like low fat food, wet food. I mean, dog wet food. Um low fat dog wet food is what I'm saying. Or peanut butter if your dog's young and doesn't hurt their body. Pumpkin you smear in there and they use their tongue to sort of work out, you know, the mat, get their yum. And I really like a lick mat because licking is a natural calming behavior for dogs. So as they're working and using their mind and and getting positive reinforcement, getting the food, they're also soothing themselves. So we did a lot of lick mat, Kong, all of that in the crate, always in the crate with the door closed, always. I just had to stimulate her mind in a proper way ignore her and like let her come out of her shell let her be and slowly build our relationship and very mindfully give her pets and cuddles when um the time was appropriate in small increments when she was calm when she was resting it was very interesting to watch because i really saw how my behavior had a huge impact on Jilly Bean, either continuing to be cuckoo bananas or live up to her potential. And she got the most wonderful mom. She got adopted. She was with us maybe a month. And she got adopted to a wonderful woman who's a scientist with two rescue cats. She has like sibs, siblings. And I get all these pictures and it really makes me happy. She just needed someone to like be that transition space. And I was really honored to be that for her. Let's wrap up this solo episode with the one and only John Goodman. John Goodman was a beagle who was obese. He was a 55-pound beagle, so I named him John Goodman, naturally. He, no no judgment or body shame to John Goodman. Like, nobody is funnier. You're so talented, John Goodman, the man. And the beagle, John Goodman, you guys. Oh, first of all, I had, like, nightmares, like, wondering if all the other dogs at the Baldwin Park shelter, another tough place to be, but amazing, amazing staff and volunteers there. I used to teach dog training classes there, like um, after people adopted their dog, like little support classes. I used to do free dog training group classes in Spanish, and it was so much fun. We used to meet at the park. Okay, tangents galore today. Um, John Goodman, Beagle, severely overweight. I think he was closer to 60 pounds had this sort of like tire of fat above his butt which was so cute and scrumptious but also needed to go i loved him immediately he was very loud had the beagle bay that you could hear like in prague from los angeles and he i just worried like were they making fun of him at the shelter because you know like he just was seven years old and waddling around with a tire on his ass. I just worried about his, like, was he getting baked on? Lots and lots of lastima, which is like, oh, my little boy feeling. Lastima's like, what a pity, but no, it's more than that. It's like feeling what someone else is feeling. It's how I uh, interpret lastima and live with lastima. 
So I had a lot of last name for John Goodman, but I didn't like pity him. I didn't, it wasn't that I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, take in this obese dog. It was that I just felt tender for him and his loud fat ass behind the kennels. And I just had to have him. We took him in as a foster and John Goodman, guys, he was with us for five months, almost six months. I'm going to give you like a fast forward why he's a greatest hits and just tell you that he just rolled right into this like family, just, just slept a lot, watched TV with us. He was a loud beagle, but he was like all the things you love about a beagle, just goofy, sleeping, just that intense ability to just sleep and be lazy, which is just the most precious thing. Love a beagle, play hard, rest hard. We were renting this house at the time in Silver Lake in Los Angeles. And he, there was like a, in the, it had this beautiful backyard. And then there was like a drop off where it, it was like covered in like trees. We used to call it like the, it was like where our dogs would go, quote unquote, smoke pot if they were teenagers. And John Goodman loved to go down there. He couldn't get back up. Like he couldn't lift the junk in his trunk. I would be writing and I would just, hear this beagle howling his head off because he'd be stuck down in the pot smoking ravine of our backyard is ravine the right word there was no water it was just dirt and trees and it was really pretty it was like a very little enchanted foresty section of the yard anyways it was a drop-off so i'd have to run outside <clears throat> break my riderly streak and pick his ass up which is not easy he did lose weight with us, but that was hard. Let me tell you why. In Los Angeles, you have earthquake bags, or you should, is suggested. And we had an earthquake bag with like peanuts, like every nut you've ever imagined, and water and beans and all the things, right? One day, we like go to a movie, come home, and John Goodman has eaten two one-pound bags of peanuts. You guys... He pooped paydays for, I mean, up to a week. Just the most peanutty poops you've ever seen. And what can I tell you? Like, that's a fact. Another time we had a dinner party and he snatched a wheel of brie off a plate so quickly. It was like a cartoon. Like, a like I, I was like, it, did that happen? Did I, did I imagine it happening? No, it happened. John Goodman ate a wheel of brie. It was very challenging for him to lose even a pound, but he did it. And I really just loved his food, excited spirit. And I don't know why he kept going down to the pot smoking area for dogs and getting stuck, but he did. And I relate to that, you know, I relate to that. When I was a little girl, like five, four or five years old, I was at my cousin's house. Her name is Shana. And she's an animal rescuer, by the way, in Florida. Um, shout out to Shana. My aunt says that I, Shana's mom, says that I was there playing and we went to the backyard and there was a chile piquín tree, which is a tree that grows these tiny little peppers called chile piquins. They're like little. And we were like playing in the backyard and I, of course, like pulled a chile piquín off the tree and I ate it. And it was like, <gasps> like I was screaming crying like my mouth was on fire guys I was a kid 
my aunt had to run out. My cousin was like, help her. They put like milk on my tongue, sugar, water, butter. And they're like doing everything to calm me. I'm hysterical. This goes on for a good 20 minutes. So I'm like, <laughs> and they, they put me back on the ground. Like, okay, go back outside. Like go play Barbies, whatever. We were really into Barbies. And I, without shame or... Uh, any hesitation marched right over to the chile piquín tree and ate another chile and that's me as a human in this world that is my wiring hello i'm a chile piquín eater nice to meet you my name is katia point is i kind of really just like felt this like deep love for john goodman the dog also the actor okay um because he went back to the area that he couldn't get out of barked his head off and it just kept happening every day my husband would be like why i don't know i also just dug his shameless enjoyment of food you know as a person who's had like that side of eating disorder but also the other side feels like kind of gloriously permissive to be like i like brie and i'm gonna eat the wheel I'd like to think that he was sort of healing my spirit by showing in action what it was to just want to eat something and not judge myself for it. Um, and for that reason, and many others, Goodman will always be a greatest hit. Oh, and he ended up getting adopted by this wonderful couple, Linda. I don't remember her husband's name. I drove Goodman down to San Diego. Um, I was wearing a white dress and I was already crying. Because he'd been with us like five months. And I was like, oh my God, can I do this? I mean, I get, I cry every time a foster leaves. Uh, even Shiloh, who's with us for like days. Wow, and they're there that long. Will this other person feel about this dog the way I feel? Will they do the right thing, set them up to succeed? Will they take them to the vet? Will they, will they love them the way I love them? Like that vibe is always with me when I am taking a foster to their new home. And I have to walk through it and I have to try so that I can take it another, you know, wonderful soul. It was deeper because he'd been with us so long and he had felt like part of the family. We go down. I, Linda's the most wonderful person. They changed his name to Trevor, which felt both wrong and right. And they would spend the summer in an RV and they'd put this little headbandy thing on him that had, why is my thing beeping, you guys? Anyways, they would put this little headbandy thing on that had like beads hanging like he was a little hippie in an rv oh my god Trevor. oh it was a really happy happy life for him all right so these are some of my greatest hits i feel like you've heard the word i more than i care to share it and you've heard this voice for a while and what else can i tell you there are so many other greatest hits there are so many other wonderful funny eventful animals that we've had in our home but those are some of the ones that i just wanted to shout out today and and talk about and like give some airtime to and tell you about and i hope that you love them too dorothy the terriers jelly bean shiloh echo and her puppies john goodman these are a few of the favorite things to all the dogs i've loved before what other what other songs can i can I steal the title of? Thanks for 
listening, you guys. Thanks for being with me here on The Animal That Changed You for my first solo episode. Was I nervous? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I like people and I like hearing their stories. So to just be like, here I go, here are mine, was contrary action for me. And I appreciate you giving me the space. And I love hanging out with you so much. Tell me what you think of these stories, these greatest hits. Tell me what you want to hear. Who's your dream guest? Who's your dream animal? Who's your dream pet? Have you had that animal already? Mm, Do you have a greatest hit story? Just, you know, wild ride that you experienced with a foster or a forever dog or cat or bunny? Or have you been lucky enough to have some other animal that I really want in my house, but my husband won't let me? That's for a future episode, future solo episode, where I talk about all the animals that I want to adopt that my husband says no to. Okay. Um, Los quiero mucho. You guys are wonderful. Keep loving your animals. Keep in touch. And thank you for listening. Thank you all so much for tuning into The Animal That Changed You, a weekly podcast that features extraordinary people talking about the extraordinary animals that changed their lives. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a review. Search for us on Instagram at The Animal That Changed You or on Twitter at T-A-T-C-Y podcast and tell your friends. And if you've got a story about an animal that changed your life, tell me about it. Message me, tag me. I would love to hear. I appreciate you. I love your animals and I'll see you next time. For more great iRaw podcasts, visit iRawPod.com. That's I-R-O-A-R-P-O-D dot com. Ah!